Good morning and welcome everyone to Live Dharma Sunday for April 9th, 2017. Koyo Kubosa here. So very, very glad you joined us. Yesterday was April 8th, and that's a major religious holiday in the Mahayana tradition. Um, <clears throat> you know, at our Buddhist temple of Chicago, in the Japanese Mahayana tradition, uh, we always celebrated Buddha's birthday. We call it, in Japanese, Hanamatsuri. Hana means flower, and Matsuri means festival, uh, flower festival, uh, because as the, the um, legend goes, when Queen Maya was uh, her becoming due to deliver the baby, as was the custom in those days, they went to the to um, the mom's family side, and so she was traveling. She left the palace and was traveling, and they stopped at Lumbini Garden. And I guess uh, Siddhartha was eager to come out, <laughs> so. Uh, he was born in Lubini Garden, and uh, all the flowers were in bloom. So one of the nicest uh, rel- religious uh, traditional rituals is the pouring of sweet tea over a baby statue of a baby Buddha. And uh, I think this, I'm not sure if this is uh, only the Jodo Shinshu denomination or not, but uh, what they do is they make a little um, uh, structure, maybe it's about three feet high and two by two feet uh, square out of wood, and they decorate the outside with flowers. So they, you know, they go to the florist, temple gets close to the florist, and they have a special workers who experience with this and then they cut the flowers and they just put them all over particularly on the um, the roof part of this structure and in the middle now there's just four posts and then in the middle is a is a, a um, container in the middle of the container shallow container there's a, a special statue of the baby Buddha and there's a sweet tea and then there's a little ladle and people come and they take a scoop full of the sweet tea and they pour it over the baby Buddha's head and this symbolizes the again according to the story this uh, gentle rain that fell when Siddhartha was born, and so, and the congregation does that, and they, there was another committee that made uh, little flower for your lapel, made out of uh, colored paper, and, and had a little uh, tag on it, and uh, it was pinned 
had lunch after service. I saw how much the and again temple groups uh, rotated and whosoever turn it was to prepare the lunch that year would do so. Um, I didn't really realize until we started to have the uh, Buddhist council meetings in the Midwest and Theravadan temples participated Sri Lankan and Burmese and Thai in the Theravada tradition the calendar is different and I don't know the exact details to explain it but the three major holidays are all combined in one holiday in the Theravada tradition the three major holidays are Buddha's birth Buddhist enlightenment and Buddhist passing away and according to the lunar calendar they all happen in the fifth month and so beginning of May or so um, they have what they call in uh, Pali they call it Visaka means fifth month I think or in Sanskrit, it's Visak, Visak. Um, and so if you have a gathering of different temples, you can celebrate Hanamatsuri or Buddha's birth as uh, Visak. Or one of the memories I have is that I was at a temple and the minister was sort of the uh, chairperson or MC for the service, Anamatsuri service. And he gave the greatest, the shortest and greatest Anamatsuri or Buddhist birth, birthday Dharma talk I, I ever heard. I was very impressed. And uh, he just made a side comment because he was busy, you know, doing his. Uh, job of introducing the next item in the in the service program and he said well if Buddha's if Buddha's birthday he said he said something like this if Buddha's birthday is not your spiritual birth or rebirth then this holiday has no spiritual significance whatsoever that's what he said, you know, core of the point. And it was not the major Dharma talk for that major religious holiday, but, uh, and when, when it comes to Easter, too, for Christians, you could make the same spiritual message. Most people, when they celebrate a, their religion's major religious holiday, they think they're commemorating, or how they are commemorating a historical event. Uh, and so that's important too. But the real spiritual significance or spiritual growth for the individual person as a follower of that religion, is 
the significance is inside themselves experiencing what that holiday was about. And so for Easter, for example, or, you know, the, the message might be, the equivalent message would be, well, if since Easter is when Jesus resurrected to life, came Christ, well, if it's not about for each individual Christian that Easter is not about so many years ago in a, in a, in a different place, it's not, it's not about historical time and place event. Uh, it's about your Easter, your resurrection, your rebirth, coming back to life and so forth. So it has these two layers, I guess, these major religious holidays. On the one hand, all the celebration is about an external event. Don't lose sight of the fact that it represents a internal personal experience that uh, <laughs> I was thinking about that today's guest to give us a Dharma glimpse is Shakun Sayo part of the LM3 group he lives in Southern California and he used to work for Warner Brothers in Hollywood uh, he lived in Florida for a long time and and uh, then he moved to Los Angeles, and then he uh, retired from that tech and um, still in the Southern California area, but in a very uh, nature environment in a tiny house. I, I didn't know, but there's a kind of a movement towards simplicity and you know uh, there's a little cottage there's an industry called making tiny houses everything's compact sort of like a trailer I guess but it's a a architecturally a house that could be moved and uh, so you find a spot and uh, it's a certain lifestyle that kind of really makes you minimize and only the essential things. And, uh, so that's a great uh, experiment in living in a sense. And instead of bigger is better or things like this or consumerism and so forth. So I have to really admire that. Well, let's hear from Sayo. I'm so happy to uh, be able to offer a glimpse once again on Live Dharma Sunday. Uh, it's been a while, so it's always an honor to uh, be asked to um, to offer uh, a Dharma nugget, as it were. And so much has changed, which is good, because that's what life is all about, right? It's about change, renewal, uh, learning, growing. Uh, so since I think my last time I was uh, offered the opportunity to do a Dharma glimpse uh, live, I was living in L.A. I am now happy to say I no longer live in L.A., but live... Uh, in the San Bernardino Mountains, which is about an hour and 30 minutes from uh, 
from LA. So I'm I'm not that far from La La Land, but um, far enough that I can admire it, I guess, from afar and be able to still visit uh, friends uh, when I get a chance. But uh, it's exciting because I have always dreamed of sort of living out in nature. And uh, this all sort of started back in, in 2010 when I was attending my uh, induction ceremony at uh, Bright Dawn Center. And I just loved, I fell in love with, with Bright Dawn and just the, the beauty of being in, in nature. There's something very, uh, as Koya as Sunset would say, Buddhistic uh, about it, just being back in nature. And so when I was thinking about the, this glimpse, um, I, I like to give my glimpses uh, a title, even though I, I normally don't sort of present the title. Uh, but this time, it just kept ringing in my ear. And uh, I guess the title for this glimpse would be uh, Tiny Living is Mindful Living. And the reason for that was when I decided to leave the city life, uh, I wanted something that was small. And I, I really have fallen in love with the whole tiny house uh, movement. You know, uh, it, it's a great way to, you know, have a fun home without all the clutter and all the things. You know, I, I knew that when I left, uh, I didn't want to have five bedrooms or even two bedrooms. Um, I wanted something that was basic. Uh, as long as I had a roof over my head, um, I would feel blessed. And so I started the process of searching for a tiny home. Um, I was very honored to have had uh, Adrian Sensei and, and Koyo Sensei join me uh, last year in, in looking at some uh, possibilities near the Fresno area, which is near the Bright Dawn Center. So we, we saw what you know a tiny home could be. And through just various causes and conditions, I found a, a company that uh, built the little home uh, that I'm in right now, and and I love it. It's it's a uh, it's a beautiful tiny home, about uh, but a little less than it's about 200 square feet, uh, but it has everything I need, everything I would ever need, uh, and of course it's in the mountains, it's in nature. Uh, even uh, yesterday I had the opportunity to uh, go to the lake um, that's near where I live, and for the first time I actually walked around the entire lake, and it was just. It was just beautiful just to see the mountains, uh, beautiful weather, uh, very different than the loud, crowded uh, scene of, of L.A. But with a tiny home comes um, a lot of mindful practices. So I've I've always joked that my tiny home is really my mindfulness home, you know, a, or, or as a, one friend put it, it's your retreat hut, Um uh, somebody actually mentioned that some retreat huts are actually bigger than my, my home. Uh, and it's true. Living, uh, having a tiny home is, is definitely a practice of awareness and mindfulness. Everything from, you know, grocery shopping. Uh, I don't have a normal size refrigerator. I have a very small, kind of like little, those kind of mini fridges that you would find uh, in RVs. So I have to be mindful of, you know, what I need every day or every week. And make sure that when I go to the market, I don't overbuy, you know, because I won't have the room for it. So it'll spoil. Uh, same with fresh fruits, you know, any fruits or vegetables I have to, you know, keep in mind where I'm going to put them. Uh, so it, it's great because, it, again, it, it allows me to practice the Dharma now, um, not just for myself, but for my home. You know, I have to be mindful of every little detail, every little thing. Uh, you know, it reminds me of the five daily life guidelines. 
Uh, the first one being consume mindfully, you know, pause before buying, seeing if breathing is enough. And that happens. Sometimes I find something that I think, oh, my God, this would be great for me. I love this. This tastes so good. I have no room. So I take a deep breath. Nah, I don't need it. So that saves me in, uh, in, on space. Uh, but not only that, you know, your, your movements. Um, now, of course, I have enough room. Uh, but you still have to be aware because uh, I have a little loft, sort of like a little upstairs loft, and there's a ladder, so I have to be mindful of the ladder so I don't trip over it, knock myself, you know, uh, trying to get to the restroom. Um, I have my dog who has been with me for now 16 years. Uh, you know, he has his little bed area. I have to be mindful of that and make sure I don't, you know, uh, take away his space. So it's a it's a great way of me to put the Dharma into practice in yet another way. So I'm very excited. It's sort of a new uh, new experience in life, and uh, it's a it's a great practice. So it's a, it's a daily practice too. And I'm learning so much about what it means to be a homeowner, especially a a tiny homeowner, because it's um, things are a little bit different, you know, uh, when it comes to everything from you know electricity and uh, the plumbing and all that. So you really have to learn all these things. So being a homeowner is really now has become a full-time Dharma practice, uh, being patient, learning these new things, you know, because I get frustrated very fast, very easily. Um, so I have to take a deep breath and try to figure things out. I just finished a plumbing project, which I thought I could never do, but I did it, and it was so, uh, it was so amazing. So, um, yeah, tiny house living is mindful living. So I, it's not for everybody. I know uh, a few people have thought I've... Um, you know, thought me crazy for doing something like this, you know, kind of going out into the woods and, and living in a, in a tiny home. But uh, I love it. It's It's been a great blessing. And um, I'm really open and welcome to uh, the new challenges or any new things that come up. So uh, thank you for listening and letting me share my tiny home, mindful living uh, Dharma glimpse. And uh, I, it'll be until next time. Thank you very much. As I listened, I couldn't help but have the association of um, Thoreau and uh, Walden. Uh, he, he essentially, you know, back to nature, to the essentials, and he went and, uh, I don't know, his accommodations, but he, um, you know, pared down his life essentials and went and lived in nature. I have to, I guess I should read that, reread that classic, Kay Walden. Um, those, I think that, that movement, you might say, of the transcendentalists in New England, um, Emerson and them was the precursor of a Unitarian Universalist, um, which I really respect. And my father always used to, he was a, uh, very close to uh, the local Unitarian congregations and ministers and uh, was often asked to be a, a speaker and at their services and uh, um uh, in fact, when some member temple members, if they were moving to an area where there was no Buddhist temples, then my father would always advise them, well, 
seek out a Unitarian church close by, go to church, you know, if they, especially if they had children or something and they, you know, they wanted uh, some kind of Sunday services to attend. Uh, but I can imagine that nature, uh, well, simplicity can also be complicated. I mean, you say simple and and so forth, but and it's, I think, interesting how you could get used to things, <laughs> you know, uh, that you never thought about. And immediately, I you know, I related to my personal experience. I was listening to the Dharma Glimpse about when we lived in Japan. Uh, you know, we we're Americans and we're used to big. <laughs> we don't realize it, but in Japan, everything because of the the living space is compact. Everything else is compact. Their refrigerators are small, even the home. Um, that means you have to go shopping every day. Uh, um, and uh, we rent, we rented a house. A lot of people, if they're single, they have what they call a poor tatami. Tatami is a straw mat of a certain size. And sometimes they um, refer to a room, the size of a room by the number of tatami. And a fourth tatami is a pretty small space. And that's where they live. They have a a closet. They put their bedding in the closet. Huh? And they take the bedding out at night and put it on the floor. And you might have a little burner there that not a big old range and stove and so forth. Um, and uh, we didn't have... They're, they have a, uh, to heat water, most people, they don't have a, well, I don't know nowadays, but uh, a bath, a shower, or a bathtub. And uh, for a long time, the custom was sort of, with, in a, you know, rural architecture agricultural society back in time, but you went to a community bath house to take your bath. And maybe you took a bath only once a week or something and you you know, you'd go and it'd be community bath place. You wash your hair and, you know, so forth and um so you didn't have a in your own home. Of course a lot of modern Houses and so forth, they do, but even there, they have um, uh, the kind of they don't have a water heater. Uh, there, you have to keep your hot water hot all the time. That's not very energy efficient. So they have the kind of thing that heats the water circulating the source when you need it, okay. and. Um, they have some uh, device like that that you can hang on the wall above your kitchen sink and it will heat up water and it's hooked up to the water and it will heat it up um, when you turn it on. And we didn't have one of those. And we didn't miss it. 
So we had no hot water in our home, um, except for the bathtub. We did have a bath. Our bathtub was, you know, it was a modern, more or less a remodeled place. But in the kitchen, we lived there three years, and we didn't have any hot water. What we would do, of course, is we would fill up a pot and heat it up on the stove to wash dishes and if if we needed hot water. And there was no problem whatsoever. It was not a sacrifice, actually. And my parents, when the parents came to visit, said, gee, you know, that much we could buy you the heater, water heater, to hang on the wall there. And I said, no, 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 we really don't miss that. Um, so that brought that memory back, and, uh, I think, uh, regardless of one's lifestyle, uh, mindful living, everything's relative, of course, but whoever you are, whatever your living lifestyle is, you should always strive to be more and more and more mindful of how we how we're living and what are the causes and conditions and how are we in this interaction of of the world um, uh, so it's not just that one has to necessarily go to a particular lifestyle you do well that's you know that's your business but regardless the awareness and the mindfulness of how we live and how we're interdependent and so forth is really uh, a teaching that's just waiting for us that's all for today's broadcast the next time keep going and you have a beautiful 